My apologies that we're a little bit late from the regular schedule. I know that there's just a lot going on in camp. Unfortunately, we have so many staff members and uh, kids who are sick and not feeling well. So uh, it's our hope that our Dibri Torah this evening and all of our tefillos should be as a chusle refuah shlema for everybody here who needs a refuah shlema. And uh, we hope that everything for the rest of the session will be healthy and well, and they'll all have the opportunity to continue to enjoy the amazing service that you are doing for them. Uh, you do this so naturally that so many of the kids who are here don't even realize that you are servicing them. Um, and it's, it's just something that is an amazing inspiration to watch all of you and to be a small part of all the efforts that you put into this. And what can I say other than a tremendous yashikach? I have said before that many people on this campus um, raise questions about emunah, about faith, and where is God, and where is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and how can it be that this is happening to me? And I've gotten this question from many staff members who have really been um, confronting challenge and nisyonos for the first time in their lives. And I've gotten this question from, of course, many of the campers who are here as well, who are struggling to try to figure out their own situation and their own place uh, in the world right now. <coughs> what I take out of this camp is, of course, many people have questions on faith, but when I come to this camp, it restores my faith in humanity to realize that we have people who are so special, who are willing to give of themselves. Uh, this world has gone crazy in so many different ways, but to watch how a group of so many Amazing volunteers come together to give it their all and to really invest in just bringing smiles and making people happy and bringing them out of their suffering is something that is extremely inspiring and it's something that, to me, really restores my faith in what humanity is capable of doing. So what I wanted to take a few moments tonight to focus on, and we're going to have a little bit of a shorter shear because I know they've made curfew a little bit earlier. They want everybody to try to get a good night's sleep. Let's try to stay healthy. Um, what I wanted to give some attention to is um, probably the bracha that we recite more often than any other bracha during the day, and that is the bracha of Asher Yatzer. I would think that being in this camp, there's no greater thing to focus on than the bracha of Asher Yatzer. If we haven't done so in the past, then certainly at this time we should. So let us begin by way of introduction with a mashal that is recommended by the Sefer Chovas Halavavos. Chovas Halavavos is written in the 1300s by Rabbeinu Bachaye Ibn Pekuda, and Rabbeinu Bachaye writes the following mashal to try to understand life. And he writes, Mashal Leish Chassid Vitov. There is a mashal to a person who is a very generous, very overly gracious, charitable individual. And that person decided at some point in his life to adopt a young child. There was a child up for adoption right after he was born. His parents realized they couldn't raise him. They didn't have the ability, they didn't have the capacity to take care of this child. And this elderly individual in town has no children left at home, decides he's going to adopt this young child. And he does everything for this child. And he showers him with love. And he gives him all of his attention. And he sends him through school. And he gives him so much opportunity. And he provides him with everything that a child can ever want in the world. And gives him so much mercy and his entire heart. At some point, the child grows older. And not only does he stop providing for him then, but he marries him off. And he then welcomes his wife into the family and really does everything to envelop this child and give him the greatest opportunities at life. Some time goes by and after this child is no longer in the house, this couple feels very lonely at home. And they're trying to think, should we adopt another child? But at the same time, we're not at a stage of life where we have the capacity to take care of a young child anymore. So they decide that they see an ad in the newspaper that there is a individual who unfortunately got into some legal trouble 
and he really made many, many business mistakes, and he decided as a result of that um, to, to try to cover himself. When doing so, he ended up making more mistakes, losing more money. In the end, he was prosecuted, and he was being held prisoner. He was being held captive by the local government. And there was an ad in the newspaper that this man is going to lose his life. And this very generous, charitable couple decided, let's try to help him. He has a whole family at home, and we're going to try our best to get him out and to try to rehabilitate him, to make him have an opportunity at life once again. And they give a tremendous amount of money from all the debt that he has accumulated, and they try to provide for him to get him out of his misery. In doing so, he is so thankful, he is so beholden to them for saving his life and for allowing him the opportunity to be reunited with his family once again. And at every possible opportunity that he has, he thanks them. And he's so grateful to them for everything that they have done to give him a second chance at life. Now, if you take a step back and you ask yourself, in reality, in essence, ask the Chavis Alavavos, who owes this couple a greater debt of gratitude? Who should it be of these two individuals? Should it be the young child who was raised from the day he was born until the day he got married and further and beyond, who was provided for with everything that one could ever imagine in life? Should it be him? Or should it be this prisoner? Should it be this individual who, at one moment of his life where he's really stuck, Somebody stood up and somebody was willing to vouch for him. Somebody was willing to save his life and reunite him with his family. Who owes more gratitude to this couple? Obviously, it should be the young child. Look how much he has taken. But in reality, in practicality, who will be more grateful? The second individual. Why? Because the first one doesn't even know. He'll never have the capacity to understand what it means that he was an abandoned child, and from the day he was born until the day he got married and left that house, his parents gave him everything. He takes it all for granted. There's no way that he can even begin to wrap his head around how much this couple has done for him. Whereas the second individual is already at a mature stage of life where he's able to actually understand the great chesed, the incredible kindness that was done for him. It shouldn't be the case, but that's the reality of life, and that's the way we see it. The things that we become accustomed to, the things that in our lives are considered to be natural and established are also the things that we are less grateful for. And I feel every summer that we as a group are lucky to be exposed at this stage of our lives, at a stage when we're a little bit older, when we're a little bit more mature, at a time of our lives when we have the ability to think in a mature way about all the gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us when we have a healthy body that functions in the way that it does. I have to tell you just yesterday, or two days ago, I got a very tragic phone call from a member of my community whose wife is pregnant, and they were calling about a very serious prognosis that they just found out about the child in utero. And it was a very serious shayla that they were asking about a potential abortion. But what I took out of the conversation, forgetting the halacha for a moment, what I took out of the conversation was the incredible magnitude, the complexity of the human body. What they were describing was the internal organs of the body have some kind of, I know if there's any doctor in the room, you're going to think I'm crazy for the way I'm describing it, but in simple layman's terms for all of us to understand, basically many of the internal organs in the body, as they're growing, there is a membrane around them which will protect the lungs from being crushed by any of the other internal organs. They just did an ultrasound. They did a sonogram on this woman, a regular standard thing that they do at, at any appointment. 
And it turns out that one of the lungs, uh, every person has two lungs, so one side of the lungs has not begun to grow at all, and the other side is very, very minimal. It's very small. And the reason why is because that membrane is missing. And because the membrane is missing, the internal organs are crushing the lungs and not allowing them to have the ability to grow. When you hear about this, you ask yourself, have you ever for a moment thought about the complexity of the human body, about the greatness of how HaKadosh Baruch Hu created all of us? You look around this camp and you realize that there are so many who unfortunately don't have all the systems working properly. And as a result of that, they are missing out on so many opportunities and they're in so much pain and they're struggling so much. And it gives us the opportunity to reflect back on our own lives and to realize how grateful we need to be for everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us. Rabbeinu Yonah writes in his commentary on Sefer Mishlei, Vidam, I'm going to read his words, you should know. There are some people who see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the wondrous moments of life. For example, he says, If they're about to go out, if they're about to embark on a major business venture, right? So you have sometimes a business individual who is about to go into a big deal, so they'll go and get a bracha from this one, and they'll go run to that one, and they want to have all these schoolers, and they're going, they're going to daven very carefully, and all of that is wonderful. But it's limited to those experiences which are the major moments of life. However, says Rabbi Hashem. when it comes to the day-to-day, when it comes to the small minutia of life, they don't think about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They don't wonder where the Rebona Shalom's place in their life actually is. And therefore, he says, Al Kain Amar, therefore the Torah tells us, Bechol dirachecha da'ehu. In everything you do, in every decision that you make, in every moment of life that you live, in every experience that you have, find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in all of those small moments of life. Don't limit him to only the major moments, the exposures of life. Make sure that you find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in everything that you do. Everything we do is Look how from one moment to the next, life can change. Life can turn upside down. Life can be one thing. We have so many assumptions. And I always feel there's a major difference between, I don't know how many of you in the room have been here for Simcha Special and how many are only here for Camp Simcha Regular. There's a big difference between many of the campers who are here during Simcha Special and many of the campers who are here during this session that we're in today where we have campers who are battling uh, not chronic illnesses, but they're battling cancer for the most part. And what I find is one of the major differences, I'm not saying better or worse, but it's a perspective that's totally different. Many of the children who are here in Camp Simcha Special, many, not all, but many of them, were born with these chronic conditions. Many of the children who are here in Camp Simcha Regular were living regular lives and had no issue at all. They were children just like you were a child. They were adults, they were in high school, just like you were in high school. Everything was going perfectly fine, and in their wildest dreams, they didn't imagine that anything was ever going to change. And suddenly, from one moment to the next, life took a totally different course. For anyone who was here this Shabbos and had the opportunity to hear, not going to say her by name, but to hear a young woman who just graduated high school, who was diagnosed in November, and... Unfortunately, she had to go home yesterday because she was having a surgery today. Hopefully that surgery will be litoelis. It's to fix up the last part of her um, healing that she needs. And we hope that it will be something that will bring her a complete refuah shalema. And she looks forward to going to seminary next year and having an opportunity like all of you in the room have had. But 
when you think about that case, it's jarring. It's shocking. Here's a girl in 12th grade when all of her friends are talking about seminary and all of them are talking about whatever 12th grade girls talk about, and yet her entire life turned on its head from one moment to the next. She had a diagnosis that she never imagined having, and it gives us the opportunity to remember Shakal HaPu'ulos Tululos Beyan Hashem, like Rabbi Yona writes, that every moment of life, every single aspect of our lives, every fiber of our physical being is something that is only there because HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave it to us, and we need to recognize that. Bechal Dirachecha Da'ehu, that we need to find the Ribbon Shalolam in every aspect of our lives. The Chafetz Chaim has a very beautiful mashal where he talks about somebody who is watching a checkpoint in the entrance to a country, and he sees how every car that's going by the checkpoint has to roll down their window and pay a certain tax to the officer who's there, and whatever, depending on how much merchandise was in the trunk, depending on how much how big the trunk was, that's how much tax they had to pay to the officer at the checkpoint. And he's noticing how every car, every truck that's going by is paying this tax, is stopping there, and finally a big, big caravan of trucks shows up, and the drivers of all of these trucks don't even roll down the window, don't stick out their hands, don't give any money to the officer, and they all just wave at the officer, and they drive right in, and nobody stops them at all. So this man is so curious, he's trying to figure out, how come every little car that came by, you charge them a tax, and you make them stop, and you talk to them, have a whole conversation, and suddenly now, when you have this big caravan full of trucks, 25 trucks in a row, that clearly are all traveling with loads of merchandise, why don't you stop them? Why don't you inquire what they're up to? And the answer he gives him is, did you notice the emblem on the side of all those trucks? Did you see what those trucks are? Those are government-owned trucks. Those have the emblem of the king on them. You think I'm going to charge him a tax? Where do you think all the taxes are going? The taxes are going to the king. Taxes are going to the government. I can't charge the government taxes on their own trucks, on their own deliveries that are coming in. I can only charge the citizens. And therefore, he says, that's why right away when I saw the emblem on the side, I waved them and I allowed them to go forward. And of course, they had to pay nothing. Says the Chafetz Chaim, we enjoy life and we have so many pleasures that we take advantage of in this world. But there's a tax to be paid by every pleasure that an individual decides to have in this world. But says the Chafetz Chaim, so long as you're just a regular person, there's a tax you're going to have to pay. But if you're a person that wears the emblem on the king of the king all over you, and anybody who looks at you knows that you are an employee of the king, that you are a government official, that you are somebody who represents the king himself, then of course you don't pay taxes. That, says Rabbeinu Yonah, is what we mean, live a life where it's so clear and obvious to anyone who meets you that they see immediately emblazoned on your face all over you, they notice that you are a person who is a representative of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If you live all of life that way, there's no tax to be paid. It would be silly to charge you with tax. Your whole life is just a representation of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to be doing in the world. If you look around and you see with fascination what kind of healthy lives we have the opportunity to live, you remind yourself of the words of the Navi Yeshaya, You look up into the world and you ask yourself, who could have possibly created this? How could any of this come to be without understanding that it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu? And this is what David HaMelech writes as well. Kal HaNeshama Tahalalka, which in the simple understanding means every soul, every neshama has to be mahalal, has to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the Gemara says it goes beyond that. I'll call Nishima Unashima Teino Tehila. For every breath that we take, we need to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu because there is nothing 
that should be taken for granted. So much so, the Gemara says in Masechus Avadazar, in Masechus Shabbos, every single facet of creation, everything, there is not one part of it that was levatala, that doesn't have a purpose. Which means, if you think about the human body, think about every capillary, every blood vessel, every artery, Think about every limb, every ligament, every molecule, every cell, every strand of DNA, every tissue, every gland, and every muscle. And realize that all of that was because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it to be there. There is not one thing that is Levatala. Just think about, ask Sarah, who works in the kitchen for many, many years, and ask her about why it is that we need to make so many different variations of every meal here to accommodate our campers. The reason why is because this one has too much sugar, this one has too much potassium, and that one has too much calcium, and that one has too little of this and too much of that. And one little imbalance in a person's body can throw everything out of whack. So as sad as that is, it's amazing to realize that if you don't have that calculation that you need to make before every meal, it's such an amazing bracha to realize that everything in your body is actually calibrated properly. And that everything is in its right proportion and everything is doing exactly what it should do. One of the most foundational mitzvahs in all the mitzvahs of Torah is the mitzvah of Avas Hashem. Talk about it every day in Kriyashma. We talk about our love, our appreciation, our commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So when we speak about the mitzvah of Avas Hashem, you ever wonder, how exactly are we supposed to develop a sense of Avas Hashem? Ask the Rambam, the million-dollar question. How do you develop a sense of love and appreciation for an entity that you have no relationship with? We don't engage HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We don't see him, of course. We daven to the Ribbon Shalom. It's a concept. But it's much easier for us to love something physical, to love a person that we get to interact with, that we hear from, that we speak to. You have a pen pal. So when you're a young child and you have a pen pal, maybe you never met them, but at least you have some kind of common language. You have a relationship with them. But here... Most of us, I believe, have never heard from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So how are we supposed to love him? Ask the Rambam. What does it mean to love the Rebona Shalala? Ask the Rambam in Hilchus Yisodei HaTorah. What is the way that a person can bring themselves to a love and appreciation for HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The Rambam writes, it's very simple. When a person takes the time to contemplate, to think, to consider, to examine the amazing world that we live in, and through that, you'll gain an appreciation of how complex and how intricate HaKadosh Baruch Hu's world actually is. Through that, he says, through doing so, you will come to an understanding that you must love and appreciate HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You will come to have a desire to want to just understand more and more as life goes on. Because it's just such an overwhelming gift that we're given to look around. Many people live life without ever opening their eyes to see what's around them. We have the opportunity to live with our eyes open. We have the opportunity to just look around tomorrow when you're with your campers and to think about what it is that is the makeup of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's world, of the body that we have, 
of unfortunately the deficiencies that other people's bodies may have. And when you consider all of that, says the Rambam, it begins to give you a sense of Avas Hashem. It begins to give you an appreciation for how unbelievably powerful, how intricate the design that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has put into our world, which should make you infatuated with the Ribbon Shalola. It will give you an overwhelming sense of admiration for who HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, which is why we say on Shabbos during Pesukah Zimra, HaShamayim Mesaprim Kevod Kel. You look up at the sky and it tells you the beauty of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How many of you saw over Shabbos that there was a Keshus, that there was a rainbow outside? Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a big discussion in Halacha when you see a rainbow, should you inform other people that don't see it? The Mishnah Buru the Chayyadam, that since a rainbow reminds us of what happened in the days of Noah, and that means HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a bris, the Rebbe Shalom told us, I'm never going to destroy the world again like I did in the days of Noah because of the promise I made to Noah. But what it means is, he wants to destroy the world. And the rainbow just reminds us, oh, I was supposed to destroy all of you because there's so much terrible um, behavior that's unfolding in the world. So really our world should have been destroyed this Shabbos, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to have Rachmanus and remember the bris. You realize what that means? Realize what that means. Our world should have been destroyed this Shabbos. It's a little bit frightening. But it wasn't because HaKadosh Baruch Hu Bechazdo decided to remember the bris. So, Rabbi Shamshim Rafal Hirsch, I believe, writes in his Pirush on Chumash that perhaps when you think about a Keshas, when you think about a rainbow, for anyone who knows even the most basic understanding of science, you know that a rainbow is really only one color. It just refracts, and that's why it has so many different colors that come out in the prisms that we see them. And what that really signifies is the fact that all of us are just an Ur Echad of Baruch Hu. All of us are really connected to one light. We are all offsprings of the Ribbon Shalola. And many of us just have different colors. And some people are going to be different shades throughout their lives and going to make different contributions. And it doesn't mean everybody has to do the same. Some of you are going to be rotators and some are going to be counselors and some are going to be other things. But all of them are important. And that's just a microcosm of what an Eved Hashem is. We have many different jobs in the world. Some people are going to grow up and be teachers and some are going to be physical therapists and some are going to be occupational therapists and some are going to be doctors and lawyers and whatever you're going to be. All of them are legitimate for a way to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu because they all come back to that Or Echad. They all come back to that original light, but when we refract, when we go out into the world, sometimes we turn different colors. But all of that with a remembering that as different as we may be, we are all very similar in the fact that we all stem from the same source, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. As the Navi Eov writes, Mi Bisari Echaze Eloka. From my body, I begin to gain an appreciation. I can see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How so? Because you ask yourself, who else could have possibly put together this complex and complicated human body? I said that we were going to talk about uh, the bracha of Asher Yatzar. I did not realize how late it was already and that curfew is soon. And I was given strict instructions to make sure that everybody should try to get as much sleep as they can. I know it's hard to sleep here. There's a lot going on. But maybe we'll pick up part two another time. We have... I know it sounds like camp is halfway done, but really it's not. There's a lot, a lot, lot, lot more time to talk. And Amir Tzashem will have many more opportunities to learn together, to grow together. Let me just end off with one question that a camper asked me today, which I thought was so thought-provoking. Um, the camper asked me that... I, the campers ask me all kinds of really interesting questions. I say there's no way to really be prepared for this job, to be the rub of Camp Simcha, because you get really very strange questions from sometimes the staff and sometimes more often from the campers. 
Um, I'm not going to go through some of the interesting questions from the staff, but some of the questions that I get from the campers are really interesting. For example, last night, um, one of the campers in the Hasidish division told me that she was very disturbed because she went to the infirmary. Unfortunately, she needed to have some kind of intervention. And she said that they put her in a room and there were um, pigs that were on the wall. And she said it really bothered her. A pig is a trefa animal. So I said, yes, that's true. So she's from B'nai Brak. She speaks English because she's been in America for the last four years getting treatment. So she actually speaks a beautiful English. And she said to me, you know, but a pig is a trefa animal. But I don't understand. Why would they have a trefa animal on the wall? So I said, listen, in America, we have a book that's called Three Little Pigs. And even Jewish families read such a book. And all they're trying to do in that room is to make the kids feel like they're in a story. So they just drew a picture of that story. And you shouldn't be offended by it. Okay. But then it made her think a little bit more. She didn't accept my answer. And she said, you know, come to think of it, in Hasidish families, I have no idea if what she's telling me is true because I've never asked. So maybe somebody can tell me. She says, in Hasidish families, when we buy toy animals to play with as young children, if there's ever a pig in the set, we throw it out because we don't want the kids to play with it, which sounds great. What? Is that true? So here's her kasha. So her kasha was, it's a really good kasha. She said, why is it that we throw out the pig, but we don't throw out the horse. The horse is also a trefa animal. So I said to her, because I asked her, why you bothered that they, ha- that they have pigs on the wall in the infirmary room that you were in? The other room has horses and other non-kosher animals. Why doesn't that bother you? Because she asked me if I can make a request to the infirmary that next time she goes in to get treatment, she should be placed in the room that doesn't have the pigs. It's fine. I asked the doctors. They said they're willing to accommodate. But it's a really good question. Why is it that's not what I wanted to ask tonight? But just, just to give you a perspective. Um, I mean, your camper has some interesting questions, it sounds like, coming my way also. Yeah, why, you know, somebody wanted to know why her family eats shrink, shrimp, but they don't eat lobster. Something like that. <laughs> it's a very interesting kasha. I don't know. I'm not sure how to deal with that. I'll get to that some other time. But um, finally, in, in all seriousness, I, I think that a very interesting question um, that, that came to me today was many of the campers who daven do focus on a particular part of the tefillah. And the reason is because their own unfortunate life circumstance makes them think a lot about Rifa'enu and a lot about the bracha vasher yatzer. So a girl came to me this morning by breakfast and she wanted to know why is it that when we conclude the bracha of Rifa'enu in Shemona Esrei, we ended off by saying, Rofei chole amo Yisro. We are not universal. We don't talk about the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who brings a refuah to everyone in the world, which of course he does. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who provides a refuah for anyone who needs it. But in Shemona Esrei, we only focus on the fact that he heals the Jewish people when they are sick. And yet when it comes to the bracha of Asher Yatsar, we end off the bracha by saying a universal term. I'll be honest, I never thought of this question. I think it's an amazing question. It's a really great question. It means someone's really paying attention to the words and wondering why the bracha should be different. Why is one a universal bracha where we talk about HaKadosh Baruch Hu taking care of everyone in the world? Rofei Chaldasar means non-discriminatory. We talk about everyone outside of our community as well. And yet when we talk about the bracha Vasha Yatsar, I'm sorry, when we talk about Rifa'enu, suddenly we only focus on Rofei Chole Ami Yisrael. It's a really great question. Um, it does seem that a lot of the poskim have a lot to say about it. I can't say I understand at all what they're trying to explain. I saw Rav Shlomo Zalman Arabach quote something from Bionis and Ibshitz. I have no idea what it means. I really don't get it. But um, I did see a, a fascinating insight from the stipler who has some kind of chiddush in his sefer to explain it based on a medrash. But 
I, I don't really have a complete formulated answer. I was very amazed by the question. Um, Rabbi Vadio Yosef actually has a tshuva where he quotes earlier Achronim who discuss what happens if a person forgets to say Asher Yatzer in the morning. We know that in the Birchas HaShachar you're supposed to say many different Birchas and you're also supposed to say Anotila Sedayim Asher Yatzer. What happens if you're in a rush in the morning you forget to say Asher Yatzer and then you Dam Shmon Esrei. Does Rifa'enu count for your Bracha of Asher Yatzer that you didn't say? It's basically the same kind of theme. Asher Yatzer is thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the healthy body that I have and when I talk about Rifa'enu, I'm asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu to keep my body healthy. So, would that count for the bracha of Asher Yatzer, or perhaps not? So there is some kind of overlap. There is a um, connection in some way between Asher Yatzer and Rifa'enu, but there is a major difference, that one of them is a bracha that we end off by including everyone in the world, and one of them is a bracha that we really go specifically on the Rofei Cholei Ami Yisrael. It's something that I think is a thought-provoking question, something to consider, can't say I have a good answer to give, but I'm amazed by our campers who raise these questions and who think about serious things, and that uh, we should all be inspired by them, and we should all have the opportunity to inspire them as well. I wish everyone a wonderful evening.